Hello and welcome to Clean Beauty Asia's podcast. I'm your host, Ali Rook. This interview series is a collection of conversations with people who operate, support, and facilitate beauty brands doing business in Asia. My aim is to provide valuable insights and information to make your beauty brand's transition into Asia as smooth and successful as possible. This first series is dedicated to cross-border e-commerce in China, and I really hope you find it valuable. Thank you so much for listening. Hello, everyone. Today, I've got Jack Porteous from Samarkand Global. He's their client services director, and um, Samarkand have offices in the UK and China, and their mission is to make China e-commerce as easy as selling on your own .com. So I thought it would be great to have Jack here today to give us some more information about how they work and um, some of their services. Thank you very much for having me, Ali. It's great to be here. Great. Thanks, Jack. I think the first thing I wanted to do was obviously um, your background. You've got a long background and history of working with China and with brands um, going into China from yeah. China British Business Council, Department of International Trade, and now obviously Samarkand. What are some of the key issues that you see beauty brands specifically, if you can talk to that, face when they're entering China? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so for those of you who don't know me, which is, is probably some of the audience, right? I've, I've, I get around and speak at a lot of things, but I'm sure there's some <laughs> people who haven't seen my face just yet. Um, I worked, I was the head of retail and e-commerce for the China Britain Business Council for three years, uh, just over three years. And I moved over to Samarkand Global in April. Um, and we are a technology company and a distributor, TP, who help beauty and health clients primarily, but also people from other sectors and consumer goods access the China market uh, in a simple, accessible and profitable way. Um, so for, for beauty brands specifically, um, I think there's, there's, there's three big challenges. I mean, there's a million other challenges, right? Don't get me wrong. There's, <laughs> there's, <laughs> you, can ne- you can never keep it to a short list, but for, for the sake of keeping this, uh, this interview to... To, to the allotted time I think we should probably stick yeah. to three so um, yeah. the first I think is uh, particularly pertinent at the moment with global travel restrictions and COVID and the way that the world is I think finding the right partner mm-hmm. um, is, mm-hmm. is really tough um, so COVID as I said has made this even harder because you can't travel to China necessarily mm-hmm. and uh, there's, there's fewer Chinese traveling to the UK um, it's it's much harder to meet people in person and get an idea of, of, of who they are and what they do. Um, so it, it's kind of a, a challenge of, of, of finding the right type of relationship because there are various different business models available to enter China, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. some of which are quite unfamiliar uh, to brands in Europe. Um, so yeah. Uh, you could you could enter with a traditional distributor, but with that you're sacrificing a lot of visibility, um, mm-hmm. a lot of control. Um, you you don't know how your brand is going to be presented. You don't know where it's going to go. Um, and you know, and we've spoken to a lot of brands that have. And I, you know, in my previous job, I spoke to even more brands who'd mm-hmm. been in that kind of relationship with a distributor yeah. for a few years. Sometimes it works amazingly. It's a perfect fit. There's no problems. Uh, but then mm. other times, you know, 
there's a big communication barrier. Um, the yeah. transfer of information in both directions is difficult and doesn't and doesn't yeah. work so well. Um, mm -hmm. And you know, problems start to arise. So that that's kind of one route. Another route, um, appointing kind of a, a service provider for e-commerce, a TP company, which is one of yep. the things that we do. We do distribution as mm -hmm. well. Um, but um, that, you know, uh, is high cost. It adds, uh, you know, uh, choosing the right partner is difficult because they're the kind of companies that will just put massive numbers in front of you and expect you to, to buy because, of course, China is 1.4 billion people. And if you can just sell one of your yeah you know one one of your um you know uh, highlighters or one of your cream yeah. skin creams or one of your you know shampoos whatever it is to uh, to half of the chinese population then you're going to have made a huge amount of money right um and yeah. so it all seems if it only, all seems if only. yeah exactly um so i think that finding that right partner is really really tough um secondly it's a super competitive market and mm -hmm. people people get and this is linked to that last one as well it, people get really wowed by the numbers and the figures mm -hmm. and every mm -hmm. presentation every presentation about china that i've ever done and that i've ever been to has some of those stats just to make people go oh wow china is a massive wow. opportunity it's so impressive mm -hmm. it's so big and it is mm -hmm. but that that doesn't mean that it's free or that it's an, anything that it's, but yeah yeah or that it's suddenly a really easy thing to just latch onto and be able to get kind of a huge amount of sales right if you're looking at it as an easy add-on or a or a way to uh, fill a shortfall that you're experiencing from your european retailers in the short term it's just not going to work um mm -hmm. so yeah. it's super competitive if you've got no budget to spend on marketing if you've got no budget to spend on uh product localization development whatever you know all the little things that add up and you might need um then you're going to struggle to to crack it unless yeah. you find a distributor who's going to fund all of that all of that for you yeah. but then that's the loss of control kind of balance right yeah. um the last challenge um is is something that i'm asked about every day at the moment which is animal testing so uh, <laughs> me too. all the time <laughs> yeah um so I, if you'd asked me five years ago whether i'd be such an expert on kind of the chinese cosmetics regulation landscape i probably wouldn't have expected it but um no. it's it's um you know it's an interesting challenge at the moment china is in a in a period of, of transformation and um in the way that, that China has developed in all areas, it, it has quite sensibly taken an approach that it wants to do it on its own terms and it wants yeah. to change regulations in a way that makes sense for the specific circumstances of China, um, which mm. I think is a good thing. You know, as, as somebody, look, I, I'm a vegetarian, mostly vegan. I, I don't want animal testing to carry on. Yeah. Yeah, but um, I also want any changes that China make to be long-lasting and to be done mm -hmm. right and um for that for it to be you know part of a, a long-term shift towards um you know the the correct treatment of animals and and the mm -hmm. safe testing of cosmetics as well which is fundamentally yeah. what it's about right um yeah, so uh, there's a lot of buzz at the moment that the laws are going to be changing in january i'm, I'm trying to keep everybody quite calm about that because mm. uh, in the UK, I think we're still struggling for a bit of clarity on the process that we're mm -hmm. that the brands are going to have to uh, adhere to go in order through. To get, yeah, 
in, in order to get get the correct certificates to go through the registration process for entry um you know there's something called a gmp a good manufacturing process um certification that the uh, in the early drafts of of CSAR, the the regulations that china have put out um has to be awarded by a government body or a or a quasi-government body the uk government doesn't do things like that and most european governments don't do Europeans things like that don't, yeah. um so there's yeah. there's kind of some some working around to be done there um mm. the other thing is uh, that china has historically been very slow at adding new agree- ingredients to its approved list so i think it's only 30 ingredients in the last 12 years have been mm. have been added nothing, to the to the approved yeah. list which is absolutely nothing so for a lot of brands that's going to rule out the, the whole process to start off with and it's gonna even if that accelerates which i anticipate it probably will accelerate sure. now yeah it's gonna take a little while for that to to mm. come through um and then of course non uh, for special use cosmetics so this change only applies to non-special use cosmetics so yeah. anything that's got spf in anything that has got claims about uh hair growth or hair removal or anything like that will still would still have to go through animal testing for general import yeah um so um that they're the they're the three big challenges um and to to kind of cycle around to back to samarkand on them (laughs) uh, i've slipped i've slipped back into cbbc giving out loads of free information (laughs) position right but um I, i i think it's all kind of we are a specialist in cross-border e-commerce. So cross-border yeah. e-commerce is, is the route that beauty brands take to go to China without animal te- without testing on animals at the moment. Everything we do is cross-border e-commerce, and I don't see that shifting uh, in, the, in the short term. Um, but of course, kind of the medium-term opportunity is that general import uh, piece for, yeah. for, as, for as many of the beauty products as we can. Um, so... Yeah. Uh, I, I think you know the finding the right partner part of it. We're based in the UK. Um, we have got a team of, of about fifty in the UK and about forty-five in Shanghai, plus a couple of people in Hong Kong. Um, we're looking at opening offices next year uh, in uh, one in mainland Europe and one in another Asian city as well. So we're expanding uh, quite rapidly at the moment. Um, so we are kind of where you, where the brands are as well, and part mm-hmm. of our mm-hmm. part of the difference that we offer is that our brand management happens where the brand is. So I had I had a team of brand managers based in the UK, and we're looking after the relationships with our brand partners, making sure they know what's going on, communicating with them about upcoming promotions, uh, getting their support for gift with purchase on specific channels or whatever it might be, and, and helping mm-hmm. them to understand and navigate the market with us because we want it to be a journey that we go on together um, yeah. with, with the brands that we work with because if the brand understands, then they're more invested and, and we can work Absolutely. together for longer. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think I would definitely echo your three key challenges. Um, And I I agree with you. I don't think that these new changes with the regulation are going to dramatically change cross-border e-commerce in the near future. So for brands that I'm working with, we're still very much looking at cross-border e-commerce. And the biggest challenge we always have is finding the right partner. And, you know, there's a fit 
thing there as well. Um, yeah. But having a team that is on the ground in the UK or in Europe to be able to work directly with the brand, but has also their own in-house team in China, I think that's a, a huge advantage. And I think that's something that um, brands, you know, would they will maybe if they haven't been in China, they might not appreciate how helpful that will be. Um, but if their brands that have been in and changing partners, they will know that that is a massive. Um, that's, a, that's a massive advantage because the communication, it's more than just language. There, there's a lot of things that need help um, and, and a transparency thing. I think a transparency thing that you guys will provide and, and we can talk about that a bit later um, is, is really mm. key. Um, yeah, so I, I actually, guess the, the, way, we, the way we look at it is that our, our team in the UK, my team, the brand management team, we are kind of there as the the people who are internalizing all of those communication issues that you would normally have between a Chinese yeah. distributor and, and the brand in the West. So, yeah. um, you know, it's a big headache for me and, and my team because we're the ones being, you know, trying to bridge all of those gaps and mm. and resolve mm. those kind of points of conflict or the the areas where things aren't clear. Um, but yep. I, I, th I think that function is really, really important because mm. we are so used to talking to brands about China, about the market and about the way things work that mm -hmm. we just by them understanding it, it reduces the amount of confusion and the number of problems from, from day yeah. one. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, I mean, why don't we go on from that and talk about yep. sort of the different types of services that Samarkand Global has, because you've got a few different things and they can work for different size brands. And um, I think it'd be interesting to go through. Yeah, definitely. So um, we are, a, as I said, we're a distributor in TP. So that's kind of one side of our business. And uh, that is very heavily focused in the health and beauty space. Um, so mm -hmm. what, I mean, what I mean by that is um, we buy and sell products from beauty brands um, and we mm -hmm. distribute them through various social commerce channels. So whether that's um, resellers on, on Taobao who are running skincare or cosmetic specialist stores um, or whether that's a, a KOL-led channel on the WeChat ecosystem or Little Red Book ecosystem where the KOL yeah. also has a, an e-commerce function within their kind of official account um, so that we can leverage their audience to, to be able to kind of promote products um, to the to to their customer base. Um, and that, you know, we, we try and encourage customers to think about those channels as retailers, really. And we are a distributor mm -hmm. selling to retailers um, yeah. or e-tailers, really. But yeah, yeah it's, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and, and some of them are as, you know, as prestigious as being in Harrods or Gallery Lafayette or Bergdorf or wherever it is that you're aspiring mm -hmm. to be in, in mm -hmm. European or US markets. Um, you know, we work with some, some really big beauty influencers who've got platforms that turn over in excess of 150 US million dollars a year. Um, it's not kind of a little eBay seller or, um, right. you know, right. uh, um, it's yeah. not, no, no disrespect to mums on Facebook's groups. Cause I'm sure they do good business, no. but it's all, it's, no. it's, it's a much bit, it's a much not more that. serious operation than that. Right. Yeah. So that's, that's one side of what we do. And obviously, uh, because we're we're buying the products, um, we uh, are fairly selective about about the kind of brands that we work with because they have to fit in with the channels that we're sure. that we're serving. Yeah. Um, yeah. That we also, from the TP point of view, um, we can mm -hmm. run stores for people. Um, so if perhaps you're a slightly bigger brand um, or you've been through a bit of distribution and think that your product works and you know that. 
that there is a market and you want to make more of an investment in having a direct consumer storefront yeah um then we can we can operate as a as a trade partner a tp running stores on uh, team or global on little red book wechat mini programs whatever the relevant platform is we've got a good relationship yep. with them so that we can we can we can run those for you um mm-hmm. and the the kind of the newest offering that we've got which is uh, one of the, uh, you know, we're, we're, we've invested a lot of time and a lot of money and a lot of effort into developing it. It's called mm-hmm. Nomad Checkout. Um, yeah. And um, the, the idea behind that is there are a group of Chinese consumers out there who want to experience Western brands in, its, in their fullest form, right? And mm-hmm. they are therefore shopping on their global.com websites typically um china has historically been a a marketplace driven market you know team or global jd worldwide all of these and and that is still true right 90 85 90 percent of sales are still going through those but but 10 percent is still a really nice piece of the market in china and Mm -hmm. if you've already got traffic coming to your website or um you know, you can do some, you've got some partners in China that can help you drive traffic, you can do some influencer campaigns, or whatever it might be, on a lower level, then giving Chinese consumers on your website the right kind of experience is really important if you want them to ever mm-hmm. come back and shop with you again. <laughs> so mm-hmm. yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. So Nomad Checkout solves a few problems for the consumer. Um, uh, it enables Chinese payment methods. So Alipay and WeChat yeah. Pay, uh, Chinese consumers don't use visa mastercard american express type type solutions they use chinese payment methods so we accept them yeah um and and the checkout flow itself is fully in chinese and collects all the information for customs clearance um so id number and all of these things that perhaps you know your your standard shopify checkout or whatever wouldn't wouldn't collect that right so yeah. You, so, so our specific checkout flow that they go through is hosted in China. It's in Chinese. So it, it loads seamlessly, works quickly, um, collects all the relevant information and doesn't glitch while they're trying to check out and cause mm-hmm. them a load of headaches about whether they've just yeah. paid for something that they're not going to get. Right. So yeah. that's one. And then the other part is the logistics that it really, really improves for them. So um, it, it it's cleared through um uh, through through customs through the cross border e commerce route, which is a specific sales channel into China. So yeah. normally, if you're sending something via big international courier, it will go through um, what's called CC consumer to consumer channels. Seventy five percent of the time, parcels just fly through that and don't don't get inspected. But twenty five percent of the time, they get stopped. The customer mm, will have to go down the post up go down the post office, pay an additional duty, tax fees, and have to pick up their parcel, right? So it's a really bitty consumer experience to have one in four parcels. And that that proportion yeah. is increasing every year as well. But yeah. one in yeah. one in four parcels stopped there. So we're cleared by cross-border e-commerce. Tax is prepaid yeah. on all products. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it means it gets into their chosen delivery place in their hands, um and, and there's no Much problems better. at all they're mm. given a track they're giving a tracking link as well for the entire process so it's a fully tracked delivery with sf express sf express are china's most trusted courier company they're one of the biggest so yeah. um it gets from it gets from there from you to them and they know where it is along that whole process from the brand's point of view 
you just have to ship to us in the UK or to if you're if you're located in another country, we do have solutions with SF Express as well, where you can ship to one of their hubs. Um, so um, it, it's it's an easy process from you, and it's not a big integration for your website. It's a couple of lines of code. Um, that provides a separate checkout for Chinese consumers that only displays to consumers who are from China when they land on your website. Um, and and so it doesn't dynamically alter or take over your website in any way like some of the other kind of checkout solutions that are available mm. for, for global markets do. Um, so it's from the brand, it's a really easy, lightweight solution that provides an amazing customer experience, the same that you yeah. would be giving to your customers in the West. Um, and, and we think that that is a great solution for small brands because yeah. uh, it's, it's, it's lightweight, low cost. Um, it, your budget can, can flex. So if, you can, if, you, if you're doing some KOL marketing and they can drive traffic to your website, then, then it's all coming through to you. You're fully in charge of your stock levels, right? Yeah, no, I mean, it's a, I think it's, it's a, a great, it's I really think it's sell. a great solution. I think it's a really great solution, as you said, for small brands that are, you know, wanting to start to build their awareness yeah. um, and maybe they're building their awareness with Chinese in their own market or maybe yeah. they're starting to do some activation in China. But, you know, you want to have a place where they can buy your product, right? You, you mm-hmm. need, you know, it, how frustrating is it for a Chinese person to see this great product, be interested in it and not be able to transact? Um, and I think being able to transact on your own website rather than, you know, through a third party where they have to search for you, you have to find you on a WeChat store or whatever, yeah. you know, to be able to, I just, I think it's a, a really good solution. So I, I'm sure that you will have lots of brands um, taking yeah. that up. I know it's just launched, yeah. hasn't it? So. Yeah, it has. So we, we've, we've gone live on a few websites this month who are kind of our test group. Um, they're all uh, Shopify uh, websites. Um, we're also launching with uh, Magento and WooCommerce integrations in uh, January, February. Um, so kind of the three major ones will be will be completed in the next month or two. Um, and then we're moving to big commerce and Salesforce as well later next year. Um, the I was, So it's great for those small brands who've got a little bit of budget. It's also great for slightly bigger brands who've got a bit of awareness. Yeah. Maybe, you, maybe you're a fashion brand, you've got uh, 15 stockists across five cities in China or something. You've sold to a load of little boutiques or um, you, you're a beauty brand with a couple of Taobao kind of resellers who are buying from yeah. you. And it means you're already getting traffic from China to your website, but it's just yeah. not converting. Um, mm-hmm. We think that this could be a really easy fix to turn that conversion from 0% to, you know, 5% or whatever your, your average conversion yeah. is. To, to get mm-hmm. those transactions flowing mm-hmm. um yeah. and then the, the kind of other group that it's that it's suitable for um just so that i'm being clear it's suitable for everyone um is um is is bigger companies um who sure. will have a lot of traffic to china yeah. um and uh, some of those companies might have decided that the major marketplaces aren't for them so uh, often multi-brand retailers in particular have struggled to make it work on yeah. on team or global Remote. um you know yeah. in 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 beauty, you can look at someone like Space NK, who found it yes. really difficult to make Team All Global work for them. Yeah. Um, and and that and for those kind of brands where the margins just don't really work out to to be sure. selling on Team All Global, then this. But you've already got the amazing level of awareness and visibility mm-hmm. and trust because of your position as a retailer in the UK or an online retailer with a huge reach. Then this solution gives a kind of direct to consumer route to China 
that that removes one of the uh, one of the hands that's kind of taking from the money pot in the middle, right? That's sure. kind of the yeah. it's, it's just shortening the the route to market so that the margins work out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, I think obviously it's a it's a great solution, and as you said, for all different levels. But um, uh, yeah, I mean, I've yeah, I really, I'm definitely keen to recommend it to, to clients. <laughs> um, so then the other question I had was around uh, brands that are starting out, especially if they're in the UK, obviously they want to start building some awareness um, mm-hmm. with the Chinese. You know, they might be small brands, they might be medium-sized brands, but they need to start building that awareness. In the UK, yep. obviously you've got Daigos, so people buying on behalf mm-hmm. of um, their friends and family and, and other people in China. And then you've also got you know, more personal product hunters. Um, what do you think that they can, brands could do in the UK to really kick that, start that? Um, so again, 2020 has changed everything, right? Like, uh, you know, it, it's, been, it's been such an odd year. Um, my advice mm-hmm. when, I was at, when I was at CBBC to small brands or medium brands who are just starting on their China journey is that you need to do whatever you're doing well in your home market before yeah. you even think about China, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if you are a luxury skincare brand, say, and you're not in Harrods, Selfridges, Liberties, Fennec, Harvey Nichols, you're not in any of them, then you need to probably concentrate on getting a couple of those key yeah. stockists in first mm. bef- before you even think about China, because that is the quickest way to get Chinese eyes on your products is to be in an yep. established retailer while Chinese are already going. It's really, really expensive to build an audience from nothing in China. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you need to do as much as you can as part of your general business development in the UK, Europe, US, wherever it is, yeah. to grow in order to, and to be, you know, the Chinese consumer in, in the days of travel, which are hopefully coming back in the next six months, yeah. right? Um, yeah. Will, will be, um, you know, 40, 50% of spend on, on Oxford Street in London or, yeah. you know, in Gallery Lafayette, in in paris right the chinese is the number one uh, the number one consumers there yeah so if you're in those kind of stores then you're getting chinese eyes there are chinese people buying your products for sure Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. you you need you need to do that in terms of talking to daigo and and kind of these personal product hunters again they all look at those stores they look at whether you're listed on feel unique and look fantastic and cult beauty and all all of these places as well um because Mm -hmm something that Daigos aren't interested in is investing time in building pages and buying products no, for things that are just going to sell nothing right sure. so that you need to you need to you need to convince people that it is going to sell through by selling yep. through in your home market I think that's yep. that's kind of my my biggest piece of advice um, we manage a network so we've got a team who manage our kind of Daigo uh, sales uh, both from a relationship management and, and keeping customers happy point of view, because some of these stores on Taobao that are run by Daigo have got a hundred thousand followers and yeah. you know turn over huge huge amounts, um, and some are some are much smaller. Um, but also from a price management point of view as well, we we kind of set um, maximum and minimum pricing, and obviously it's not uh, enforceable, but um, we can stop selling to people. Um, if yeah. if they're not respecting the the, pri- the suggested pricing that we're putting in place, so um, I th- I think um, people always saw kind of if I can just find five Daigo who who'll be able to 
sell my products in China, then I'll, it'll give me a kickstart. I think you, it still needs to be a managed process. It's better done by a partner mm. than it is by you. Mm-hmm. Um, or mm. it's better happening organically because they found you in places where they were already looking. Um, mm-hmm. So okay. I think understanding about that. Um, so yeah, my my number one advice is talk to someone on global. My number two advice is probably attend some China Britain Business Council stuff as well. Right? Give a shout out to my previous employer. <laughs> Your alumni, alumni, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Great. Okay. And then, I mean, the last question is really about a beauty trends for beauty brands in China that they should be aware of, like in order to make their launch mm-hmm. more successful. What sort of one thing that you think that they should really know about? Um slightly backwards way of answering this question i would say that it's it's usually not the same (laughs) as whatever you're selling Mm. in in Mm. europe it's often not the same right so the number of the number of brands that will come to me and say that they're organic and vegan and kind of uh, low water and low emissions and all these things which Mm. are kind of nice add-on sell points in china but are very rarely the main thing so Mm -hmm. um product efficacy is really is really important number um absolutely number one um and something that is i think is is really difficult and i don't have an answer to at the moment is packaging as well because mm-hmm. we've got a big trend in europe of brands doing minimal packaging trying to reduce yeah. everything from an environmental impact chinese consumers mm-hmm. want impressive packaging they want something to be branded they want that experience of unboxing something of mm-hmm. like something to be beautiful when they buy it um mm-hmm. so finding a way that that doesn't impact on your commitment as a company to reduce your and you know your carbon footprint and your pa- plastics use and all the rest of it plus sure. then also still being an attractive solution for chinese consumers i think that that's one of the big challenges that that brands mm. face. Um, mm. But yeah, yeah I mean, um, I, I I agree. I think it is something. I think it's something that's changing. I think that mm-hmm. we're seeing a lot of things, reports coming out. We're seeing much more conversation about sustainability in China, and obviously with a lot of Absolutely. government initiatives to do with recycling and the environment. You know, the government's yep. pushing it as well, which always helps accelerate things in China mm-hmm. um, because people do do have to follow. Um, so I think that that's, that's definitely something that will change, but I agree at the moment, it's still not a high priority. And something that I often work with brands with is looking at their messages. You know, they'll have a hierarchy of messaging for the UK or for their their home market. But in China, we just might change that around a bit. Um, and you know, may not lead with organic, for example, especially because there's issues with using the word organic in China as a claim, uh, well. but, but, but otherwise, but not just for that, but also really for what will resonate with the consumer. And, I, and I've done that with quite a few brands. And I think brands have to be open to that. They have to be receptive to that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not changing who you are. It's just putting a one message forward first and then having yeah. the other messages after that. I think um, that's a piece of work that um, brands need to do as they, as they decide to enter the market. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, working with working with you would be a brilliant way for any brand to to sort out their positioning for the China market as well. Because I think Chinese consumers want to to access the reason they're buying imported products is because they want they believe in the quality. They believe that that there is some kind of like cool associated with it. There's, Mm -hmm. you know, there's there's a lot of positive things about it. So you don't want to change your the essence of your brand. 
it's just about drawing out the right things from what you're already doing um and having somebody who's an expert in in the china market but also with such a keen eye on beauty trends as as Mm -hmm. as you i think is is really Mm -hmm. important so i would obviously uh, i'm sure anybody who's watching this video is already well sold on (laughs) on your on your abilities ali but hopefully (laughs) thank jack anyway thank you so much jack for that i think um there'll be lots of takeaways that brands can um can gain from that um discussion and in, if they want to get in touch with samarkan global or you what's the best way to do that uh, you can email me jack at samarkand.global um or you can go to our website samarkand.global okay. great i'll put all, obviously i'll put all the details yeah. in the notes below um all right well thank you so much that was really interesting and um yeah thank you thank you so much ali Thank you so much for joining me in this episode of Clean Beauty Asia, the podcast with me, Ali Rook. I hope you found the content useful with tips and tricks and takeaways that can really help you move your China journey forward. I always like to hear from my listeners, so please join me on LinkedIn, Ali Rook, or Instagram, Clean Beauty Asia, and I'll be very happy to talk to you more. Thanks again for listening. See you next week.